0: Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt, and this is Lead to Win, the weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. This week, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to share with you the audio recording of a special training that I did that was really a hit. It's called Holistic Business Ownership Five Steps to Enjoy a Successful Business Without compromising your health, hobbies, or relationships. We got the best response that we've ever had to any training I've ever done, and I wanted to share it with you. Enjoy. Okay, guys, welcome to this special training. Again, it's called Holistic Business Ownership, Five Steps to Building a Successful Business Without Compromising Your Health, Your Hobbies, or Your Relationships. My name is Michael Hyatt, I'm the founder and chair of Full Focus, the company formerly known as Michael Hyatt & Company. And I can't wait, as I was sharing kind of in the banter before we began, this training with you guys, because I know that some of you desperately need this. If you're going to build a successful business, if you're going to preserve your health, if you're going to have outstanding family relationships, if you're going to have a little time to pursue your hobbies, you need what's in this special training. Okay, so before we get going, I wanna make sure that you're prepared to take this all in so that you can see it in your business and your personal life. And since one of the steps that we're gonna cover is about some some tasks being more valuable than others, I need to ask you to get ready to learn, okay? So give this training your full attention. Be present. Absorbing what we talk about today is literally the most important task that you have right now. So please, silence your phone. Close down your email, mute Slack, any other social medias that you have, happen to have open because this is going to be worth it in this way that you can focus without any distractions. And by the way, if you think of a question during the uh, training, I want you to enter them into chat and my team will collect those for the Q&A at the end. And that's literally some of my favorite time in these trainings. And we get to do the Q&A at the end and take your specific questions. Now, before we get going, let's make sure that you're in the right place. What we're covering today is all about making it possible for you to be the best business owner you can be or senior executive that you can be. And I don't just mean building a successful company, although I'm going to be sharing ways that you can absolutely do that. But I'm also talking about succeeding in the personal domain. And for you, this could mean your family. It could be your health your travel, volunteering, friendships, but with the time and focus and leverage you'll get from what we talk about today, you're gonna be able to build the business and life that you want, a business and life that you love. But I want you to be prepared for an approach you probably haven't heard before, at least in the details. So let me ask you if this sounds familiar. See if this is you. You're working more than ever, and as your company grows, so do your responsibilities and you're just not sure how to manage it all. Oh sure, you could do it previously, but now you've reached the point where you're thinking, I don't have any more hours in the week. I don't scale. Or what about this? The pace is taking a toll. You're tired all the time. You feel stressed. You're not eating well when you eat at all, and your family's a little bit concerned. Maybe they've said something to you. Or you feel a growing distance between you and your loved ones. You're absorbed in solving the company's growing challenges. And even when you're home, you're not really present. Or maybe it's the other way around. Perhaps you refuse to sacrifice your health, your friends, your family, all for the success of your business. But as a result, the company isn't growing at quite the clip you want it to. It's inconsistent. Three steps forward, two steps back. And in the back of your mind is this gnawing question. You wonder if it'll fail. Or maybe your business is going great and things in your personal life are solid, but you want to know how to ensure that it stays that way. Well, if any of that sounds like you, you are absolutely in the right place today. So I'm curious, which of those scenarios do you identify with the most? So Gloria said the latter scenario. Jeannie said almost all of them. Yeah, Ashley said definitely sacrificing health and time with family to grow. Matthew says depends on the day. Love that one. That's probably true for a lot of us. Peter, definitely health. Dusty, all of them. All right. So uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Gail, for 43 years. It's going to be 44 years in July. So we're almost there. Together, we've got five daughters, three sons-in-law, and 10 grandchildren, a brand new one that's just one month old. So figuring out how to reach my goals without sacrificing my family has been, I think, my single greatest achievement. But getting there was also one of my biggest struggles. And trust me, I made plenty of mistakes along the way. Maybe you guys can relate. Long stretches of 70 to 80 hour weeks, more time at the office than at home, all to make the career side of things work. But even with success in my corporate life, when I was grinding out long hours. It wasn't all working. And let me share a personal story that shows you where this came kind of to a head. In the year 2000, I achieved a lifelong career goal. I became the publisher of a major book publishing company, Nelson Books, one of Thomas Nelson Publishers' 14 book publishing divisions. So this was long before I became the CEO, I was just a divisional manager. But after I took the job, I discovered a few things about the division that I didn't know before. First of all, we were dead last in revenue growth. We were dead last in profit margin. And as you might imagine, employee morale was terrible. And though I didn't feel it at the time, guys, this was a gift in disguise. I suddenly realized I couldn't really screw it up. I could only make it better. So the CEO asked me, he said, how long is it going to take you to turn this division around? Now, to be honest, I didn't really have a clue. And so I just... Kind of pulled the number out of the air. I said, three years. Well, he thought for a moment, and then he said, that sounds reasonable. You've got it. So my team and I rolled up our sleeves. We got to work, and we worked hard, sacrificing our evenings and weekends to achieve the goal. And I was working, like I said, 70 to 80 hours a week. I was constantly traveling, not eating well, not exercising, but it paid off, or so I thought. To our surprise, we went from number 14 in the company to number one in just 18 months. Yeah, we were first in revenue growth, first in profit margin, and employee morale was off the charts, as you can imagine, because everybody got a bonus check, and I got a big bonus. In fact, my bonus check was more than my annual salary. I was giddy, and I couldn't wait to get home to share it with my wife, Gail. Now, you have to know this about Gail. She's always been super supportive, my biggest cheerleader. But when I told her the news, she wasn't exactly her usual enthusiastic self. And I could tell she was holding something back. And she said, honey, we need to talk. Well, some of you have had your spouse say something similar. And you know how I felt. I I felt my heart sink. So she took me by the hand. We went into the den and we sat down. She took a deep breath and she began to tear up. She said, Listen, I want to be excited for you. I definitely appreciate all you do for our family, but I got to be honest. You're never home, and your five daughters need you. And even when you are home, Michael, you're not really here. And at that moment, she bit her lip as a tear rolled down her cheek and she said, Honestly, I feel like a single mom. Well, That slew me. I wanted to defend myself, but deep down, I knew she was right. I was experiencing success all right, but here's what I discovered. It was a false summit. Yeah, I was crushing it at work, but my job was crushing my family. I mean, I'd worked for this opportunity my entire career, and I'd finally achieved my dream job, and I didn't want to give up my chance to lead. Then there was my team. They had worked so hard to turn this division around. They were counting on me too. But there was my family. Gail and the girls needed me too. And it felt like I was in a win-lose situation. And I was facing what I now see as the impossible choice. I could either win at work or succeed at life. I couldn't do both. Pick one. Have you ever felt that way? Where you had to choose between success in your career or success in something Outside of work that really mattered to you? Let me know in the chat. Jeff, every single day. But yeah, feel your pain. Michelle, all the time. Michael, yes. Gloria going on now. P Feld all the time. Mark, ten four. Bill, yes. Yep, Gloria, the feeling is intensifying. Well, look, when faced with that choice, most of us do one of two things. First, we hustle harder. We think if we can just move faster, work smarter, keep grinding, somehow we'll get more done and we'll eventually succeed, then we can relax. But working more just leads to neglect. Neglect of our health, our relationships, even our personal dreams. And it's a certain path, trust me on this, to burnout and one-sided success. The alternative is to cut back on our professional ambition. So, we refuse to shortchange our health or our family for our work, so we intentionally throttled back our ambition. The good news is we secure our personal priorities, but we wind up with wasted potential, unfulfilled dreams, and a lot of regrets. And especially for high achievers, people like you who love their work and want to make an impact on the world, this is a bitter pill to swallow, and it's still one-sided success. Now, Every day at Full Focus, our company, we encounter leaders just like you who've been told they have to choose. And like me, when I had that heart-wrenching conversation with Gail, they don't wanna choose. Well, after Gail and I talked, I began to wonder, what if I didn't have to choose? Well, that question sent me on a quest to find a third way, one that wouldn't cost me my career or my family, one that would free me from the impossible choice. And I call this the double win, where you win at work and succeed at life. The double win. Look, when you're unwilling to compromise your contribution, either at work or home, you find that they're actually symbiotic. They fuel each other. How so? Well, your work gives you confidence, uh, joy, financial resources that you need to support your family. And your health and happy home life provides you with a clear mind. Uh, greater creativity, and a rested body to bring to work. And that's the double win. And it's not a myth. I've spent almost two decades developing a system to both win at work and succeed at life. And over the past eight years, our team at Full Focus has coached literally thousands of leaders just like you through that system. And we've seen those people, those clients, multiply their revenue while slashing the number of hours they work each week. We've seen them achieve unprecedented success in their careers and in their personal lives. And I'll share some of those stories with you a little bit later in this training. But here's what I want you to hear from me. The double win is possible. It is. You just need to focus on the right things. And that's what I want to share with you today in this training. Where to place your focus so that you can build a successful company without ignoring your personal interest and your most important relationships. Because... Let's face it, when you're grinding out those 70 plus hour weeks, it's a little bit hard to know which activities to lean into. It just feels like this unbelievable obstacle and it feels overwhelming and you end up doing everything harder, which can stagnate your business and lead you to burnout. Some of you are there right right now based on the comments, but to win at work and succeed at life, you need to focus most of your effort on what I call high leverage work, work that moves your business forward. Task that sits squarely in what I call your desire zone. We're going to talk more about that concept in just a minute. It's a game changer. Well, focus on high leverage work and you're setting your business up to succeed. That's the desire zone. Well, whether that means scaling to seven or eight figures in annual revenue in your business, or attracting dream customers that your company is well positioned to serve, or hiring. A-level players for your team so that you can provide the best products and services to your clients. And when your business is successful and you use what I'm about to share in today's training, you're going to have more time to spend with the people you love. You'll have the mental space to be present, to enjoy the moment without stressing about work. You can travel without bringing your laptop or worrying about what's happening at the office. How's that sound? Well, trust me, when you can do all that, it's a great place to be. And like I said, over the past two decades, I've worked to create a system that makes it possible most of the time, okay? And so this has been, for me, three steps forward, two steps back, going down a lot of cul-de-sacs, trying things that ultimately didn't work, and figuring out things that did. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. So you guys ready to get started? Great. Step number one, resist the illusion, listen to me, that your workload is temporary. This is first for a reason. You've got more tasks than time available to do them. Am I right? Well, I know based on the research, according to one study of a thousand professionals, 94% of them clocked more than 50 hours a week. Half of them clocked more than 60 hours a week. And professionals with smartphones, that's you and me, right? Right? are typically working 70 hours a week or more. Now, I get that there are seasons in life when it means all hands on deck and you've got to invest the time. So maybe if you're a content creator, you've launched a course, or maybe you just started a new business or launched a new division, or maybe you're knee deep in something else else that takes an extraordinary amount of time. That's normal. For example, when the pandemic started, gosh, that was over two years ago now, I was in the middle of leading my in-person coaching intensive called Business Accelerator. I'll tell you more about that a little bit too. But I had about 50 of my clients on-site here outside of Nashville. And suddenly we got the news that we're headed into lockdown. Well, as a team, we had to pivot. Now, I've experienced successfully steering a company through a crisis because I had to do that with Thomas Nelson during the Great Recession. So I'm no stranger to crises. And on the onset of the pandemic, we decided we were going to build a course to help our clients, and we called it Leading Through Crisis. The only problem was time. So we decided to build the course on a Thursday and have it in the market within a week. What? Yes. That meant we had to film several videos, write the course book, and create a webinar to generate the sales. And honestly, at the time, it was overwhelming. It seemed impossible. I had to work through that weekend, and I'm talking 12-hour days, but we did it. And the pivot was an enormous success. So all that to say, I get it. I understand there are times when you've got to go out of balance, put in the work and effort and make it happen. But here's the problem. And this is where I want you to listen to me very carefully. That's okay occasionally. Let me confess something. I spent years in the first half of my marriage lying to my wife, telling her that my current situation was only temporary. But I wasn't just lying to Gail. I was also lying to myself. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? I I was saying things like, okay, honey, I got a brand new position. I have to learn so much. And I know I'm out of balance right now. But I'll give you and the girls the attention you deserve once I kind of get my feet on the ground and, you know, get a handle on what I've got to do. Then the next thing I know, somebody resigned. And I said, honey, I'm covering for two people right now. Once I get this position filled, I'll get back into balance and I'll give you and the girls the time and attention you deserved. And then it was, you know, I took this new job or I got promoted or launching this big thing or whatever. It was always something, one thing after another. And the problem is not that you've got one of those outliers bump up your time so that you have to work more occasionally. The problem is stringing a bunch of these situations together and deceiving yourself thinking it's only temporary. So I want to invite you to take a trip with me today to the honest planet and just admit that this volume of work, the volume you're in right now, is not sustainable. If you've been doing that, this is the time to at least come clean to yourself and admit that it's an illusion. The situation you're in probably isn't temporary unless you do something radical unless you take the initiative, unless you take decisive action. And the rest of what I'm going to share with you in this special training is precisely how to do that. So that's step number one. We got to resist the illusion that our workload is only temporary. And that brings us to step number two recognize that not all work is created equal. Don't know if you've ever had that thought before, but it's true. When you focus on work where you have the greatest passion and proficiency, you're gonna have the greatest impact, the most leverage, and you're gonna create the biggest wins for your company. So let me just define these terms. When I'm talking about having passion, I'm talking about the things that you love to do. Like I said, not all work's created equal, right? Some things you love, some things you hate. But I'm talking about, when I talk about passion, the things you love. I I believe this is how God wires us, that we have a natural affinity and passion for the things that we need to be doing to create the most leverage and the most impact in the world. Passion is the thing that lights you up. It makes you want to get out of bed in the morning, where you can't wait to get to work. That thing where you're working on some project you look at your watch and you realize that it's noon and you wonder, where did the time go? Well, the reason you feel that way is you can, because you've been in a state of what psy- psychologists call flow and that comes from passion. You're working on something you love to do. But here's the thing, passion by itself is not enough. Now, we're live streaming this today, I'm live streaming this today, from just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, which is Music City, USA. Maybe you've heard of it. So we have hundreds, maybe thousands of musicians that are passionate about music. The city's full of them. And guess what? 95% of them are waiting tables. They've got passion, but they don't have proficiency. They're not as good as they need to be to work as full-time musicians. So passion and proficiency are both important. Now, if you have passion or proficiency without passion, That's not enough either, right? There are lots of people who are good at what they do. They're just bored to death. And it may drive the results, but it's not life giving. It doesn't give them joy. Well, passion and proficiency are hugely helpful to you in terms of overcoming overwhelm and getting your workload to a manageable, sustainable level where you can win at work and succeed at life. So I want to share this model with you. It's something that I've written about before, and I call it the Freedom Compass. But basically, there are two axes. And you may want to just, you know, go full screen on this so you can really see this diagram. But there's two axes, passion and proficiency, which creates four zones. And I want want to walk through these zones one at a time because they're critical in terms of understanding where you can get the most leverage. First of all, the drudgery zone. So some of the items that are on your task list are in what I call the drudgery zone. Do you see that at the bottom of the model? It's zone four. This is where you have no passion and you've got no proficiency. And it just feels like you're grinding away when you're doing this kind of work. It's like time stands still. You feel like you've been working for an hour, you look at your watch, and only five minutes have gone by. I'm sure that's happened to you. Well, the tasks in the drudgery zone are different for everybody. So just to give an example, for me, it would be things like uh, managing my calendar, managing or processing email, doing an expense report. But work in the drudgery zone is work you shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't be doing it. And like I said, not all work is created equal. Drudgery zone tasks are the first to be eliminated from your workload. And I'm going to talk about exactly how you can do that in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to talk about another zone. And that's the distraction zone. This is zone three on the far left of the diagram. Do you see that? This is honestly one of the most diabolical and deceptive groups of tasks because you've got the passion, but you don't have the proficiency. So, let me give you an example. Distraction zone work is where you go to escape. It's kind of fake work. Well, over 10 years ago, when I started what was then Michael Hyatt & Company, I did all of our company's web development. You know why? Because I was a solopreneur. I didn't have anybody to delegate to. And I knew just enough HTML, PHP, CSS, and other web technologies to be dangerous. Well, I crashed my site several times just tinkering with it. But honestly, that work was easier and a whole lot more fun to do than the hard work of creating content, which is what I should have been doing. I mean, it was more fun to work on coming up with a new blog header, or to adjust the styles on the web page, or add some new widget. It was a place where I went to escape the real work that I needed to do, and I was distracted by that work. Well, true story. Finally, I ended up hiring a web developer. First thing he said to me, because he'd been working for me as a contractor on the really tough stuff, but I wanted to hire him full-time, and he told me, I'm willing to be your full-time developer on one condition. You promise that you will never, ever, touch the back end of WordPress again. He wanted one person to blame if the site came down. He was willing to take responsibility, but he didn't want me in there creating more work for him. Guess what? Haven't touched it since. Well, what is it for you that's in your distraction zone? Where do you get distracted? Where do you go to escape? Where do you go when the real work you know you ought to be doing is too difficult? Where is the place you go where you've got some passion, but if you're honest, not a lot of proficiency? Okay, let's move on. The disinterest zone. This is zone two on the far right of the diagram. This is where you have proficiency, but you've lost the passion or maybe you never had it to begin with. You might've had passion for it initially, but now not so much. You're bored. Another example. I don't really have a financial background, but I got to the place where I was good at understanding financial statements, income statements, balance sheets, cash flow statements, Part of it was that I read several books. Part of it was that uh, it was a necessity for me to survive as a public company CEO. Well, I understood all the important financial terms. I felt confident whenever I was talking with accountants, bankers, investors, analysts. And initially, I enjoyed it. You know why? Because it was new. But then when I had to do all this stuff by myself, and over time, I got quickly bored with it. It became how do I put this? Mind-numbing. It was mind-numbing work for me. So, processing transactions, trying to keep my own books up to date. I was good at it, to be sure, but there was zero passion. So, you feel like this is work you gotta do. Maybe it brings home the bacon, but it bores you. And unfortunately, for a lot of entrepreneurs, I know a lot of times, this could be the work that drives revenue. So, it's really hard to give up. What does that look like for you? What's in your disinterest zone, work where you don't have any passion, but you got a level of proficiency. Okay, that leads me to my favorite zone of all, the desire zone. The desire zone is at the very top of the model. It's zone one. It's where you've got passion and proficiency. And both passion and proficiency are necessary for you to create the most leverage in your business and to have the biggest impact in the world. So where do you have passion? and proficiency. What lights you up? Where do you get compliments from other people about the quality of what you do? Well, this is what makes the world go round. It's gonna be different for everybody. And for me, it's basically three things. So number one for me, in my desire zone, coaching leaders and business owners. I absolutely love that. It feels effortless, the time goes quickly, and I know I'm helping people. Number two, creating content. Number three, delivering content like I'm doing right now. Now, if it's not one of those three things, then it's not in my desire zone and I need to stay in my lane. You know you're working in your desire zone when you feel, listen to me, freedom. So as entrepreneurs, most of you got into this business. Why? Because you wanted to be free. You were tired of working for the man or the woman or the company. And then you've now got this overwhelming to-do list with all these tasks you weren't passionate about. And maybe you've suddenly found yourself imprisoned in the worst job you've ever had, working for the most onerous, oppressive boss that you've ever had. And then one morning you look in the mirror and you realize, I'm the boss. I'm the tyrant. And that's why for the sake of your sanity, for the sake of making your biggest contribution, you got to get dialed in and focused on your desire zone activities. Now, Imagine those desire zone activities where time seems to just fly by, where you absolutely enjoy it, where you actually look forward to each day. Like all day yesterday, I was involved in creating content. I couldn't wait to get out of the bed in the morning. I couldn't wait to get started because I knew I was going to have a full day of uninterrupted time doing one of my desire zone activities, which is to create content. But what is it for you? What is it that gets you really excited, one of the ways that you can answer this is to evaluate how you're spending your time. And so I want to suggest an exercise for you. I want to give you an action item that will help you dial this in. I want you to scan over your calendar, not right now, but after the training, I want you to scan over your calendar for the last couple of weeks. And without judgment, I want you to write down every activity you did over the last two weeks, even the meetings that you attended. They don't want you to put a check next to the tasks where you felt passion, tasks that you really enjoyed. They don't want you to put a check next to the work you have proficiency in. The ones where you have two check marks, the activities, the tasks where you have two check marks, those are your desires on activities. And that, my friends, is where you need to focus. Now, that's going to leave you with a ton of tasks that still need to get done. I get that. But they don't need to be done by you. Now, don't worry right now about who's gonna do those tasks because all I'm suggesting is you're not the one that should be doing them. And I'm gonna talk about how you can get those off your plate in a little bit. So that's step two. Recognize that not all work is created equal. That brings us to step number three reduce your non-desire zone activities. Okay, this is where the rubber's gonna meet the road. This is where I'm gonna get super practical. But I want you to listen to me carefully because what I'm about to say is counterintuitive. The secret to achieving more by doing less, yes, you really can do that, is to do more of your desire zone activities and less of everything else. That is like a bedrock principle in my life, something that guides everything I do. And this is also how you can create a sustainable double win where you're winning at work and succeeding at life. If you don't do this, I promise you, you're not going to get there. So you're going to have to make some tough decisions and make some commitments. If you keep repeating the same old patterns, if you keep taking the same approach to work that you've taken for how many ever years, nothing is going to change. So I want to give you three strategies for getting rid of these three zones that are not your desire zone. Strategy number one is to eliminate. So you need to go through that list of the items that don't have check marks by them. Remember that list? Some of them don't need to be done by anyone, but least of all by you, particularly those items in your drudgery zone and in your distraction zone. Those tasks probably don't need to be done at all, and they for sure don't need to be done by you, especially the distraction zone. How about those meetings that suck up your time, seem to suck the life out of you? What meetings are you involved in that frankly could just be eliminated? Maybe there are some tasks that you do because you feel an obligation to do it. You know, the old TPS report. It had a purpose in its time, but it's no longer relevant. And if those kinds of things went away, would anything really suffer? If not, be worthless, dump it. So, You've got to be ruthless about this. Okay, listen to this. Warren Buffett said the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. And this is your chance to say no. Now, let's be honest. Does the thought of saying no to people give you the sweats? You're not alone. In fact, I have another confession. I'm a recovering people pleaser. That's right. I don't like to say no. It's hard for me to say no. I hate to disappoint people. I hate to engage in conflict with people. And sometimes I say yes when I know that I actually should say no. But here's the thing, your time, heck, my time. It's a limited resource. We've got just 168 hours in a week. In this sense, we are truly all created equal. And every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And it's a trade. So when a new opportunity comes up, We got to ask ourselves the question, what are we willing to trade to do that? Now, this is where my executive assistant, Jim, is such a great partner. Because the things that are in my drudgery zone are in his desire zone. So we complement one another beautifully. A lot of business owners want to clone themselves, but that's a mistake. You need compliments. And Jim is my compliment. He complements what I do. And one of the questions Jim asks me when I say, I want to start something new. He just did it last week. Okay, great. What are you willing to give up to do that? And Jim used this analogy with me. He said, it's like, you know, when your closet's already full, what clothes are you willing to get rid of to make room for the new clothes you want to get? Because you can't just keep stuffing your closet full of clothes. We've got to get better at saying no if we're going to get our lives back. And I'll tell you one of the best ways to do this is something called the yes, no, yes, Formula. Yes, no, yes. I learned this from Dr. William Urey, author of The Power of a Positive No. You can read the book, but let me give it to you in a nutshell. Works like this somebody sends you a request. Maybe it's email, maybe it's voicemail, maybe it's a text, but they say something like, Hey, can I have coffee with you and pick your brain? I get a lot of those. Or, Hey, would you be willing to speak at this conference? Or maybe it's, um, Would you be willing to serve on this nonprofit board? So in response, you want to start with an affirmation and say something like, man, thank you so much of thinking of me. Or, you know, I'm honored that you would consider me for that. So start with the yes, but then go directly into a no that is direct and unequivocal. This is the magic language that you can use. Okay, listen up. Unfortunately, in order to be faithful to my other commitments, I have to say no. No. That's the magic language. Unfortunately, in order to be faithful to my other commitments, I have to say no. Here's what I don't say. Gosh, uh, check back with me in a few weeks, or maybe check back with me in another month. And you know why I don't like doing that? Because you know it's going to be the same story then. It like boomerangs right back to you, and I'm going to have to do it all over again. So I'm going to bite the bullet and give them a direct, unequivocal, unambiguous, no, unfortunately, I have to decline but I don't want to stop there. I want to end with a yes. Yes, no, but then end with a yes. So I might say something as simple as best of luck with your conference or hope that project goes well or simply all the best. Whatever it is, I try to warm it up so that I preserve the relationship because that's important to me. So the yes no yes formula keeps me from procrastinating because most of the people I said no to in the past had actually a positive response. They'd say something like, "Well, Naturally, I'm disappointed, but thank you for getting back to me. What I used to do in the old days was I didn't want to say no, so I let the request languish in the inbox. I didn't respond. That's what ticks people off. They can handle a no. Trust me, what they can handle is being ignored. So, eliminate is the first strategy. Strategy number two, automate. I want to use, as an example, email templates. So I did this for the first time about 20 years ago, and I realized there were only about, and I literally counted them up, about 42 unique requests that came to me via email or voicemail. Back in those days, we didn't have text messages, but about 42 unique requests. They were variations on the same themes. Well, responding to these requests would be easier and faster if I could create an email template to avoid the angst of saying no. So I just pull the template, maybe... Warm it up with a few sentences on the front end, add a note to the back end, boom, send it off. By the way, that's automation. And over time, with every email or every request that I got, I thought, how could I respond in a way that I would be proud of and that would be honoring to the other person on the other end of my email? And with that answer in mind, I took a little extra time every time I responded to create the template. Now, here's what I didn't do. I didn't do it all at once. I just did it one email at a time as I had the need to respond to a specific request. So, yes, it did take a little extra investment of time on the front end, but this effort quickly paid for itself. And I could use that template literally every time I got that request. So you can use templates like that for everything. Maybe email templates, but for example, I developed a seven-part template that I still to this day use for blog posts so I don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. When I do a webinar or a special training like this, I start with a nine-part webinar template. It's not exactly paint by numbers, but it's pretty close. And the template uh, saves me so much time because there's a lot of stuff that I don't have to do, that I don't have to rethink. So, I can get rid of a lot of stuff by creating templates or at least dramatically reduce the time I spend on those tasks. Okay, that leads us to strategy number three, delegate. Now, This is a big challenge for a lot of people. And I talk to a lot of leaders. We have hundreds of people in our business coaching program. I've talked to many of them. And the thing about those coaching clients is they struggle with delegation, almost all of them. So they have something in their mind that says, you know, if I want it done right, I've got to do it myself. Be honest. Have you said that? I know I have. Or maybe they're saying to themselves, gosh, delegation takes longer to explain how to do it. I might as well just do it myself. Or sometimes they say, I can't afford to hire somebody right now. I guess I'm going to have to do it. Some of those may be rattling around in your own mind. But as long as you are the answer to each of those questions, you're going to struggle with being overwhelmed. You're gonna struggle with a workload that's just too big. Because here's the truth. There are people out there who can do the thing you need done better. Yes, better than you can. It may take a little time on the front end to invest in them, to describe what you want, but you've got to invest in them to remove yourself from non-desire zone tasks. This is the secret to the double win. Now, if you're like most high achievers, you're not a natural delegator. Look, I wasn't either. You want to be in control so you can dictate the end result, right? You feel responsible for the results. You want to control the quality. So let me share how you can delegate the non-desire zone activities off your plate while maintaining um, just enough control where you feel confident that the work will be done to your standards. And I call this the five parts of effective delegation. Part number one, description. Here's the thing you gotta get. People aren't mind readers. And yet I talk to people all the time, business leaders, who expect the people on their team to read their mind and they get very frustrated when they don't. So instead, you need to describe succinctly what you want them to do, like less than two sentences. Start with an action verb like book or create or respond or identify or research. This part answers what and when. And that leads us to part number two, rationale. This part answers why. Now, knowing why you want something done can better help your team complete it to your satisfaction. It gives some necessary context. It helps people be part of the larger story story, to feel purposeful and to understand what you're really after. So again, they can't read your mind. And unless you give them the why behind the what, they got to kind of guess. And knowing that from you will make a difference. That leads us to part three, parameters. This part answers how. Look, people are afraid of underperforming, and knowing parameters helps combat that fear. So parameters might include things like budgets, timelines, internal or external resources, and any milestones or due dates that you have. Now, if you don't care how it gets done, that's okay. Sometimes that's true for me. But if you've got expectations they've got to be communicated. That's really not fair to your teammates when you delegate something and don't communicate your expectations. It's unlikely that you're going to meet they're going to meet your expectations. Again, people can't read your mind. Part 4: Vision. This is the part about defining a clear win. Look at what success looks like. What are the attributes of success? So, here's what I suggest. Step into the future metaphorically, of course, step into the future you want and describe what you see. You turn complete the presentation by June the 3rd, which is part one, into the presentation is clean, well-designed, eye-catching. It's light on text, but contains several accurate, easy-to-read diagrams and compelling quotes that supplement my speaking. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm going deeper than what I did in part one, and I'm defining the win. If you think I could have done it better, you probably haven't provided enough vision for what you're really looking for. And then finally, part five, authority. This indicates how much the person you're delegating to can take ownership. So I often speak of the five levels of authority or the five levels of delegation. Level one is just do what I ask you to do. Okay, don't deviate, don't get creative, just do what I ask you to do. Level two, research the topic and report back. And I've got Jim, my assistant, working on a project right now. I just gave him uh, exactly what I wanted yesterday and asked him to research the topic and report back. Level three, research the topic, outline the options and make a recommendation. Level four, by the way, this is all gonna be in your webinar brief, so don't sweat this. You'll get it all when you get that, when you stay till the end. Level four, make a decision, then tell me what you did. And level five, make the decision you think is best. I don't even know what the decision you made is. And that level's my favorite. That's the highest level of trust, the highest level of authority. Just do it. You don't even need to report back. I trust you. Well, maybe you're thinking, gosh, that sounds like so many steps. I don't have time for that. Well, here's the thing. It requires more time to do all the work yourself or constantly be fielding questions from your team. Or how about this? having to redo the project or do it yourself because it wasn't done right to begin with. Well, maybe you're thinking, I can't do that every time I delegate. Look, here's the good news, tasks are repetitive. You only need to do this process once to solve the problem innumerable times in the future. You gotta do a little investment at the beginning, but then it pays dividends forever. For example, once I shared with Jim how I wanted to manage my email inbox, I was done. Yeah, I took an investment of my time, But boy, did it pay dividends. So here's the thing. I used to have to deal with a 100 plus email messages a day. Now, Jim handles almost all those. As a result, I typically only have four to five messages a day that he can't deal with and I personally have to handle. What a difference. How much of my time do you think that got me back? Yeah, hours. So step three is to reduce your non-desire zone activities. And that leads us to step number four. And that's to redesign your day. Effectiveness is not about getting more things done. Let me say that again, because this is where a lot of people get confused. Effectiveness is not about getting more things done. Listen to me. It's about getting the right things done. Or as David Allen likes to say, you can do anything you want, you just can't do everything you want. And here's the problem. When I was doing research for my book, Free to Focus, I found that the average person who uses a task list has 15 items on it. Think of what that means from a practical standpoint. Maybe this is you, by the way. (laughs) Even if you get eight of those 15 tasks done, you're still not winning, are you? That's not your perception. You get up in the morning and you see 15 items on your task list and you're already feeling overwhelmed. And you know it's not very likely. It's probably impossible that you're gonna get everything done on your list. And the day hasn't even started. So what do you do? You dutifully go to work. You pound out as much as you can, hoping that today, maybe, you'll finish everything on your list. But even if you only get eight of the 15 tasks done, you feel defeated. Why? Because you still got seven left. Well, when you bookend your day with overwhelm when you start the morning and defeat when your head hits the pillow at night, how does that make you feel? Like you want to quit, right? It's discouraging. Where do I go to resign? Here's the thing. We got to reinvent the game and quit playing the same old stupid game day after day after day. And one of the best ways to do that is to follow something I know you're familiar with, but you may not have a name for it, but it's called the Pareto Principle. I don't know if you remember, but Bill Fredo Pareto was an Italian economist, and he made this observation that 20% of the effort drives 80% of the results. You've heard of it, right? Now, this works in all kinds of fields. It means For example, 20% of your customers drive 80% of your profit. Are 20% of your customers account for 80% of your customer service problems. Well, that's the truth. Well, let's apply the Pareto principle to task management. So let's kind of go back to the example I had before. Imagine for a moment that you start today, like most people with 15 tasks. Let's say that you use the desire zone to focus on the three tasks that are highest leverage, the 20%, which, oh, by the way, is three tasks. And we call that the daily big three. We even have a place for that on the daily pages of the Full Focus Planner. And some of you I know are users of our planner. But let me encourage you to do this. Try and experiment if you've never done this before for the next 30 days. If it doesn't work, no problem. You can go back to whatever you were doing previously. But here's what I want you to do. Every day for the next 30 days, you identify the three tasks that contribute to one of your goals or are part of an important projects. And that's what you focus on. Now, you can have other items that you can do if you have time and if you finish the the top three, and you can see that we've got space for that in the Full Focus focus Planner. It's um, under the Daily Big Three. It's called, cleverly, other tasks. And here's the thing. You declare victory if you get these three done. Boom, you've won the day. So step four is to redesign your day around the 20% of tasks that drive 80% of your results. The Daily Big Three. So far, we've talked about four different steps. Step number one, resist the illusion that your workload is temporary. It's not. Step number two, recognize that not all work is created equal. Step number three, Reduce your non-desire zone activities. Step number four, redesign your day. Okay, so maybe you're wondering, does this actually work or does this sound too good to be true? Well, I can promise you, it absolutely works. So here's an example of these steps in practice. We got about 40 people on our team. Many of them were young parents. And when the pandemic happened and everything started shutting down, suddenly schools were closed. You guys remember that back in March of 2020. Childcare was closed, and in a flash, their kids were underfoot. Then there was all the stress of the macro environment, and it was a lot to deal with. So we decided to experiment with our schedules. So instead of working eight-hour workdays, we tried six-hour workdays. And using the steps that I've outlined for you today, we didn't cut anybody's pay, we paid them exactly what we were paying them before the pandemic began, and before we cut our hours. So we asked, "Can we cut our workload and get bigger results?" Well, we tried it for two weeks. It worked, and I couldn't tell that there was any reduction in productivity. If you had had me look at just the results, and not knowing that people had cut their workdays from eight hours to six hours, I couldn't have told any. I couldn't have seen any difference. So we then tried it for another month. We said, okay, that seems to be working. Let's go through the summer with this. And we did. We worked through that summer of 2020, working 30 hours a week. Again, not docking anybody's pay. Everybody's getting paid the exact same amount. Well, then that fall, we decided in our strategic uh, planning session as an executive team that we were going to make it permanent because we were actually getting bigger results by working less. Well, I know that sounds like a paradox, or maybe it's counterintuitive. But it absolutely works, and it works because it forces you to prioritize and stay focused on your most important work. And oh, by the way, what a recruiting tool in terms of attracting top talent to our company. So we're committed to the double win, and I hope, truly, that you won't settle for anything else. You deserve to win at work and to succeed at life, and you can do it. Which brings me to something that can supercharge everything we've talked about and reduce the time of trial and error and figuring out how to apply these steps in your business. So think of this as an afterburner for business growth without sacrificing your health or relationships, and it's the crucial fifth step. The slide actually already fired, but here's what it is. This is the crucial fifth step for winning at work and succeeding at life. Step number five, recruit a coach to accelerate your progress. Coaching, listen to me, coaching helps you go further faster. I've used coaches in every area of my life, and I still do. For example, when I wanted to get in the best shape of my life, I was already 50 years old, I hired a trainer. When I wanted to learn how to fly fish, yeah, I could have tried on my own. I could have gone to YouTube. I mean, you can learn almost anything on YouTube. I could have tried to figure it out all on my own, but honestly, That's kind of the slow, dumb way to do it. If you want to go further, faster, hire a coach to accelerate your progress, but not just any coach. So I'm going to give you three criteria to look for when you're hiring a coach, okay? So whether you get involved with our coaching program or somebody else's, these three criteria will serve you well. First, do they get the right results? Are they walking the talk? Are the people who are coaching you or the person who is coaching you do they exemplify the kind of life you're after? Do they do what they teach? Well, we live in a world where, as you probably found out by now, that's not always the case. Well, more importantly, do they get those results for their clients? I mean, it's one thing to get for the coach to get the results for himself, but maybe it's not transferable. Maybe it's not universal. So, do they get the results for their clients? Are they getting objective, tangible, concrete results for their clients? And by the way, can they prove it? Second, do they offer the right format? What do I mean by that? Well, a lot of people think that one-on-one coaching is kind of the uh, the holy grail or the gold standard of personal coaching. I don't think it is. I believe that combining group coaching with one-on-one coaching is 10 times better. Why? Here's why. Because you get the benefit of an experienced guide, that's your coach, and you also get the benefit of a peer group from whom you can get feedback, input, accountability, and people who can celebrate your wins with you. And this isn't a minor thing. Look, one of the realities of owning a company is finding peers who could relate to your success and to what you're experiencing. People you can walk to or talk to who have gone through some of the same things. You can't underestimate the value of a great peer group. So with one-on-one coaching layered on top of group coaching, you get personalized help that's tailored for your business and specific challenges. You also get the privacy when you're working through sensitive matters, and that works in the one-on-one coaching environment. And you develop a closer relationship and familiarity as you work together. Group coaching plus one-on-one coaching adds a supercharger for your progress. Third, do they have the right training? Now, the dirty little secret is that coaching is an unregulated industry. People can read a book, decide they're an expert, hang out a shingle, and get into business. That's not what you want, right? You don't want somebody who's a self-proclaimed expert. Instead, like we've talked about throughout this training, your time is precious. So to succeed at a business without sacrificing your personal life, you need to focus on high leverage activities, and you want your coach to be someone who can help you do that. Well, just for example, our coaches with our Business Accelerator program are people who have been clients in our program for at least three years. They received extensive training in our frameworks, tools and resources, they've lived them. They know our systems inside and out. They know from experience what works and what doesn't. And this is what you want from your coach, regardless of the format, training, insight, and knowledge that can guide you through any obstacle you may face in your business. So hire a coach that meets those criteria because when you find the right coach, you're better able to implement the strategies you need to achieve the double win and to stay there. So the most successful people I know and work with use coaches. They don't wanna do everything on their own. I've had a coach, three different ones, for the last two decades. I wouldn't think of going it alone. Successful people know their time is a non-renewable resource, right? And they wanna get back as much time as possible. They don't have time to go through dead ends or try to figure it out all on their own. They want proven systems. They need roadmaps, guidance from people who've been there or who are going or are where they want to go. They know an investment in themselves gives them the highest return on investment. So again, whether you join our program or some other, you need to use these criteria, results, format, training to evaluate your options. Now, like I said, I've been working with a business coach for over 20 years, which honestly helps steer me where I need to go. And here are some of the key benefits that I've found of working with a coach. First, they see your blind spots, and trust me, we all have them. That's why they're called blind spots. Second, they're an unbiased sounding board. Yeah, you could talk to your boss, but he's a little biased, right? Or she's maybe biased. You could talk to your your uh, the people that report to you, but sometimes they're just things you can't talk to them about. You could talk to your peers, but maybe they're competitive. So a coach serves as an unbiased sounding board. Good coaches offer battle-tested advice, and that's the third benefit. Look, the right coach can make all the difference. Like with one of our Business Accelerator clients, Stormy Bradley, she was so caught up in running her two businesses that she was missing her kids' biggest moments. Her business was running her ragged. She and her husband were burning the candle at both ends while their nanny taught their toddler how to walk. Well, after getting coaching on her situation, and after using the systems and frameworks that we teach within Business Accelerator, everything's changed. Her business is thriving. Before COVID, Stormy's companies were growing 50% year over year. And the coaching and systems helped her weather the storm when COVID disrupted the industries that her company served. Get this, Stormy's reduced her average work week by 25%. Those are hard hours, times she's reclaimed, leaving her with more time at home to be with her family than ever before. As she puts it, you can grow your business and still live your life. Well, I love seeing how the power of coaching impacts people like Stormy. And just as a reminder, I'm going to answer all your questions in just a few short minutes. So hold tight. You don't want to miss that. But first, would it be okay if I tell you about a free way for you to dip your toe into the water, uh, into the kind of coaching that's made such a difference for me? I want your permission before I tell you about this, so enter a yes in the chat if it's okay for me to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, Cynthia, Phil, Juliet, BJ, Judy, all yeses. Gloria, yes. Fantastic. Garrett, Titus, Bill, all yeses. Excellent. Maybe at this point you're thinking, I got some work to do. Uh, Maybe you heard these five steps to building a successful business without sacrificing your personal life, and the gap seems pretty big. Maybe it feels like where your business and work life are at now is too hectic to imagine having time for anything good on the personal side. Or maybe you understand the steps, but you're not quite sure how you can keep pouring into the company without big personal sacrifices. It feels, like I said at the very beginning, the impossible choice. Well, I want to give you an easy way to build forward momentum in easy way so that you don't need, so that you can begin to experience the double wind and to see a clear path from where you are to that reality. So, I want to offer you this morning a free business growth coaching call. Now, guys, this is a full 45 minute coaching session with one of our business consultants where you'll get the ideas, the clarity, the path forward, the thing that you need to make you successful in owning a successful business that doesn't put your personal domain at risk. And you can sign up for free at businessaccelerator.com forward slash act. If you look at your screen right now, the URL is there. So our consultants will dive into your business, try to understand your challenges and goals, and then they'll come up with ideas to help you move toward creating that double win. Their observations might challenge you, but you're going to come away with ideas and a direction on building a company that runs without your constant involvement and every level. And if it looks like Business Accelerator could help you get there to that destination or the double win, we'll extend an invite for you to join our coaching program. But again, this is about developing you and helping you succeed in business without sacrificing your personal domain. And this program is not for everybody. And part of what you'll learn in that call is whether or not it's a fit for you. Now, the only caveat is that our frameworks, systems, and tools work best for companies with more than $500,000 per year of revenue. So if your revenues aren't quite there, this coaching call won't be a much help. But if your company meets that threshold, guys, this could be a fantastic jumpstart for your business. Our frameworks and systems that are taught inside our coaching program, Business Accelerator, have helped hundreds of business owners move their companies toward a self-scaling model. This includes people like Gabriella Gutierrez, a client who has been working with us for some time, but before working with us, she was working 80 hours a week. But since joining Business Accelerator, she slashed her work week in half, met 100% of her budget, months ahead of schedule, and was able to expand her team. And best of all, Her employees are learning to delegate and they're enjoying unplugged vacations for the first time where they don't have to take their laptops with them or be expected to respond to email on their time off. Or Danielle Brooks, CEO of Pearl Business Consulting, who said, I used to be the lid on my business and learning to delegate enabled me to focus on what matters most. Her business last year grew 75% over the last year while taking a completely unplugged maternity leave. Another example. Tony Castaldi, who was running two businesses and joined us when the pandemic hit and threatened everything, including his business. Well, Tony used used what he learned to pivot, cut his work week by 10 hours a week and boosted top line revenue by, yes, 45%. And these are just a few of the hundreds of our Business Accelerator clients who benefited from our coaching program, who are experiencing the double win. And you've got a chance to get a session at no charge, and with no obligation. You just need to show up with an open mind, ready to take your first steps towards building a business that grows, whether you show up or not. So if you want to do what I've done, if you want to develop your leadership so that you can succeed at business and in your personal life, again, all you got to do is go to businessaccelerator.com forward slash act and book your business growth coaching call. Okay, and... If you book your coaching session during this training, and we still got the Q&A to go, and if you show up, you're also gonna get an added bonus. And here's what it is. It's called No Fail Meetings. Guys, this is a full-blown course. You could go to our website. We sell it for $99, but you're gonna get free access just for signing up for the business growth call and then showing up. And when I talk to business owners, Meetings are one of the aspects of their job that they dislike the most. Is that you? They could be such time killers. And chances are your team feels the same about them too. But crazy as it sounds, meetings can become events that you and your team actually look forward to. You just need a little education. You need a little training. It's possible for those meetings to be productive. And it's possible for meetings to add value to projects. You just need a system. And that system is laid out in detail in no-fail meetings, the course, And again, I just want to emphasize, you get access to this course for free when you book a business growth coaching call and show up for the conversation. And this means that you're going to be getting a coaching call that can help you make some serious decisions and serious progress in your business. Plus, regardless of what happens, you're going to have a course that helps you turn one of the biggest morale killers into something that's productive, finally, and your team actually looks forward to. But you're only getting this no fail meetings course if you book your coaching session. So again, all you got to do is go to businessaccelerator.com forward slash act to book that coaching call. Now, during our training, we discussed five steps for working in your desire zone is the key to scaling your business, right? With less hustle less grind. Step one, resist the illusion that your workload is temporary. Step two, recognize that not all work is created equal. Step three, reduce your non-desire zone activities. Step four, redesign your day. And step five, recruit a coach to accelerate your progress. These steps help you keep focused on the work that matters. Eliminating work that's not in your desire zone and scaling your business while giving you back time for your personal life. So, If you're ready to scale your business and spend fewer hours at the office, we'd love to help you achieve this vision. So to see how this might work for you, again, I want to invite you to schedule a business growth coaching call, and one of our business consultants will help you find the path forward. And again, you can do that at businessaccelerator.com forward slash act. Okay, time for questions. You guys ready? So Betty says, how did... I find or pick the right executive assistant and then retain the right executive assistant. We do a full day deep dive in our coaching intensives with Business Accelerator. We go through all this because you probably had, and I've certainly had, executive assistants that they weren't that great. But there's some c- certain key things that you've got to do. One of the things you've got to have is a defined hiring process, a roadmap for success. And this is where sometimes people think that, that a process is an obstacle to progress, but no, process is the pathway to progress. And inside a Business Accelerator, we take a full day, both on hiring an executive assistant and working with an executive assistant, but then also another day we have as a uh, option on the hiring roadmap where we walk you through our seven-step process for hiring. By the way, not just executive assistants, but anybody in your team. So that you get it right the first time. Betty said, uh, please talk more in depth about how Michael repaired his marriage. How did they work on it together? It took a lot of courage for Gail to confess to him that he wasn't fully present at home and his marriage due to work. Their love story is inspiring because they're still together and still in love. Betty, that is true. Um, I, I, I get more excited about seeing her every day. And I know people say that, but it's really true. We are best friends. I'll tell you, it, it took her having the guts to confront me. And then, frankly, I had to have the grace to repent, you know, to, to see the error of my ways and to be willing to change. And so the first thing I did, and this is the God honest truth, I hired an executive coach, Daniel Harkaby. And uh, Daniel and I wrote a book together. But Daniel was my coach in those days. And one of the first things Daniel said to me was, you've got to have boundaries on work. Because your work is spilling out into every area of your life and it's not healthy. So he said, when are you willing to quit each day? Because prior to to having a coach, I would go home, eat dinner with the family, and then immediately crack open my laptop and keep working till I couldn't hold my eyes open anymore. I worked on the weekends. I worked during vacations. I was that guy who on a vacation would get up early in the morning and process email just trying to stay ahead so that I didn't get back to the office and be even more overwhelmed than I was before I left. So he said, are you willing to commit to those boundaries? And I said, yes, I am. And the great thing about a coach, he held me accountable. In fact, he said to me, this is kind of hilarious, but he said to me, well, if you're willing to commit to that, I'm sure you won't mind if I occasionally call Gail and just check in on you and see how you're doing. And he did that. He called her periodically and said, okay, without me on the phone, how's Michael doing? And then sometimes if I wasn't doing so well, that became a conversation in our next coaching session. But just the accountability helped me stick with the program. So Dan says, how do I delegate to other team members without appearing to have a diminished interest in that area of our business? It's still important, but I don't have the passion I once did. That's the beautiful thing about the way that God's created the world. We have a variety of talents, skills, and interests, things that other people love doing. Like, like, let me give you an example. To me, the most boring thing in the world would be, maybe not the most boring thing, but one of the boring things for me would be, be any kind of engineer. I just don't have the patience for it. But there are people who love that profession, right? And so one of the things you've got to do is, again, people can't read your mind. If you really think it's important, say that to the person. Just say, you know, uh, Sally, this is a really important thing that I'm delegating to you. And I'm not delegating to you because it's not important, but because I'm not the best person to do it. It's so important that I had to ask myself the question, who's the best person in our company to do it? And that's you, Sally. Would you be willing to do this? That's how you pass along the esteem for the task as long as make the delegation, as as well as make the delegation. Uh, Jeremy says, how do I handle the inefficiency of info handoff? For example, I have a great passion for our landscaping business sales and business growth sector, but hate the time-consuming process of drafting out quotes. But if I delegate the portion of the sales process, it would require info handoff from myself as the on-site estimator to the office for building the estimate. Okay, here would be a great exercise for you to do with your team. Ask them this question, right? I promise you, there's probably a hundred different ways you could approach this. You could write up your notes, hand off your notes. If your writing isn't legible, you could hand those notes off first to an executive assistant. You could record something just in your own voice, simple voice me- or voice memo, and give it to them, giving them all the background so they're up to speed. That would save you what for you is the drudgery of preparing those quotes. You've got to get out of that. Because if you do, guess what? you can call in more customers, you can initiate more business, and that's what's going to scale your business. Most entrepreneurs aren't good at that back office stuff. Trust me. TJ says, I'm wondering if you or others have thoughts on working with an assistant as a therapist or a counselor. HIPAA requirements related to privileged health information seem to be a bit of a challenge when consider working with an assistant. Honestly, I'm not that familiar With what HIPAA requires outside of, you know, I sign that disclaimer, but I can tell you this, and this is maybe what you need to do. When I go to the doctor, based on HIPAA, they will not release my information to anyone unless I sign in writing that it's okay to do so. So maybe what you have to do is to get your clients, you just would explain to them, you'd say, hey, by the way, one of the things that makes me effective and one of the ways that I can help you even more is of my assistance involved. They're totally trustworthy. They, We respect confidentiality. They signed a non-disclosure confidentiality agreement with me. But I need you to sign this HIPAA form that acknowledges that they're going to be involved, just like a nurse might be involved if you were in a doctor's office, right? The doctor doesn't do everything. He doesn't. He's not the guy that or the person that comes in and takes your blood pressure and measures you and weighs you and does all those things. They have an assistant. So you just need that kind of thing. Just have somebody sign off on it if you feel that's necessary. And again... Consult with an attorney. Richard, any notes on structuring and guarding your sales time and energy and sales between making phone calls versus travel outside sales calls as lots of time is wasted traveling and some prospects ditch or reschedule defer inside versus outside sales? Yeah, one of the things I would do is come up with a foolproof way that your appointments don't get canceled at the last minute. And this is where a good executive assistant can go before you. So one of the things that Jim does on my coaching calls he will call ahead to the person with whom I scheduled the appointment like 24 hours before just to double check. And we have several software reminders. I, I literally can't remember the, the last time somebody didn't show. I I mean, it hasn't been in years because we have a process. Again, process is the pathway toward progress. So I would figure out how to how to solve that problem. That's a problem worth giving some creative time to. Stanzana said, how do you work in your business if your cash flow is low? Yeah, that's challenging. I'll tell you, one of the things I would do is I would go through that exercise that I talked about before, where you list all your tasks and then you put the check marks if you got passion or proficiency. You might even add a third check mark and say, which are the activities that generate the most revenue or the most profit and focus on those. This is the key to success. You can be busy doing a lot of things, but like I said, not all tasks are created equal. And not all tasks generate profit or revenue. So I'd focus on those. Garrett, how do you work well with your family members? How do you avoid nepotism? Great question. I have, let me just think here. I've got three family members that work at Full Focus. So I have my oldest daughter. She's our CEO. I've got our youngest daughter. She's our marketing director. And I have one of my sons-in-law, who's our chief content officer. We have very open and honest relationships, full transparency. We don't provide any favoritism. In fact, if you were to ask them, I think they would tell you they feel like they're held to an even higher standard because they're associated with me. But I just think you got to be open. You got to be honest about it. And you can't, you know, give favors or treat people as favorites just because they're in your family. Phil said, where can we find more information on the Freedom Compass? Yeah, we've got several different versions of that. Obviously, our coaching program, we do a deep dive. We spend a full day on this so that you implement it. And then your one-on-one coach We'll take your specific situation and work through it for you. But in addition to that, I've got a book called Free to Focus. We also have a course that goes into more depth called Free to Focus. And so it's in a lot of different places. But yeah, you can learn more about it in any of those options. Okay, Dave. I'm not sure this is another Dave or the same one, but he said, it might sound strange, but I don't know what I'm passionate about. Do you have any suggestions that can help point me in the right direction? Yeah. So this is really about when are you in a state of flow? Okay, so what are the tasks that you do that you don't dread? That when you first hear you're about to do this task, that it kind of lights you up. You kind of go, oh, I get to do that, right? Instead of I have to do it, but your natural language is around, I get to do that thing. Another thing is, where is it when time seems to fly by? Where you just don't pay any attention to the clock and you look up and it's time for lunch because you've been so engrossed in the work. So that's how those would be some of the indicators that I would look up for for passion. Okay, two more questions, guys. We're almost done. Paula, should I have a daily big three at work, professional life, and a daily big three at home, personal life? Paula, no. You should, here's why. Your personal life and your professional life interact with each other. One domain affects the other. They are a seamless whole. Now, if you want a rule of thumb, I try to have two professional tasks on my uh, list every day and one personal task. But that's a rule of thumb. Sometimes I might have two personal and one professional, but if you start managing more than one list, you're going to complicate everything and you're going to be right back to where you were feeling overwhelmed. Marsha Ellis Smith said, Michael, thank you for this webinar. You and I worked together years ago at uh, b Publishing. You were a joy. Any specific, se- by the way, Marsha, thank you. I remember you. Any specific suggestions for a small home-based business and selling jewelries and gift items? Bought and resold, not handmade, mostly at festivals, but have a website also. sole proprietorship. Yeah, I, I would say you got to get the word out, right? So, get on social media, maybe even buy Facebook ads. But here's what I would say about Facebook ads. I typically don't run Facebook ads to try to sell products. I try to, to sell Facebook ads to give something to somebody free in exchange for their email address, like a special training like this so that they get into our system so we can start to nurture that relationship. You gotta nurture the relationship before you can make the ask. That pretty much wraps it up. And I really, guys, I don't take for granted and I appreciate you spending time with me today. But before we go, I wanna make two final comments about finding success in your business while winning at your personal life, okay? First, it's going to require an investment. Time, effort, patience, persistence. And there's gonna be bumps in the road. The question is will you move down the path on your own? We try to cut your own path, or we work with a coach who uses a proven system in terms of where it is to go to achieve your vision. Again, either way, the path's not gonna be easy, but it is a whole lot easier with a coach who goes before you. And you gotta decide whether you wanna risk going it alone or if you're ready to put yourself in the best position to win. And that's why you we're offering you this free business growth coaching call is to try to determine that again, no obligation. You're going to get the free course, the no fail meetings course for free, a $99 value just for signing up for a call and then showing up to have that conversation. And I can promise you there will be no pressure. This is entirely about you and that's going to be the focus. We feel like if, if it's right for you, if we're able to add value in that 45 minute call, and if we invite you to join the coaching program, it'll make sense, if it doesn't, no problem. Second though, I don't want you to fall prey to the law of diminishing intent. This may be a brand new concept, but it's one I learned from Jim Rohn and it goes like this. The longer you wait to take action, the less likely you are to take action. Let me say that again, because it's so important, not just for this, but for anything. The longer you wait to take action, the less likely you are to take action. makes sense, right? You've probably experienced it before. And I'd hate for you to delay your decision, get distracted, miss the opportunity to change your reality and experience the double win. So again, I want to invite you. It's right on your screen. Go to businessaccelerator.com forward slash act to schedule this business growth coaching call. See if this is the right path for you. But guys, again, thanks. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. All the best. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Lead to Win. If you're interested in booking a business growth coaching call, please go to businessaccelerator.com forward slash act. And until next week, Lead to Win.